case of it. Three, two, one. Two, one, six. Hello, boys and ladies. Welcome back to another edition of the Parramatta Podcast, or the Para Podcast, as we like to say colloquially. Um, it's the round 12 of the NRL this week, and we're going to have a big preview and review, as always. Joining me in the box seat is Hamish. It's always good to have him back. How you doing, boss? Cheers. Thanks very much. for. It's nice to be back. It is always a great episode when Hamish is on board. Unfortunately, it's come at the expense of our other Hamish, Ham, not able to join us today. Instead, we're getting extra content from Birdie, which is always spicy. Birdie, how you doing, champ? Yeah, I'm actually better this week. I don't got the um, the flu. Like, I, I feel 100%. That's right. We ended our last podcast with you and Ham falling apart due to the flu. So good to see that you're over it, mate, or somewhat over it, and back into full form for us this week's podcast. Cool. That's cool. <laughs> All right, well, it's not going to be a very pleasant dissection of the action from round 11. Uh, Eels copping losses on two fronts, but most importantly in the NRL. Let's start there, boys. Out on Sunday uh, was a 4 p.m. kickoff at Parramatta's Bankwest Stadium. Eels falling to the Manly Seagulls 28-6. This game was a, a not, not a foregone conclusion, but it certainly got a, a big shake-up psychologically when uh, just matters of a uh, matter of uh, hours, if that, before kickoff news broke that uh, Bozo Bob Fulton, one of the Inception Immortals and Manly's uh, greatest all-time player, had unfortunately passed away. And uh, yeah, he timed it to perfection, didn't yeah, he? he? One last spiteful act <laughs> in the rivalry against Parramatta. So um, that certainly lit a fire up the backside of Manly, who we knew were going to come to play anyway, uh, but they thoroughly outclassed the Eels on Sunday. They won the collisions. Tommy Tobojevic obviously had a field day out wide. Uh, but yeah, physically the Eels just went up to it. We'll run for the stats quicker here. Paramount did have the ascendancy in possession and time of possession, so a 53-47 split in favour of the Blue and Gold, with the Eels clocking in at 28-29 with the Bourne hand to Manly's 25-15. Eels completed slightly more efficiently, 81% to 78% against the Seagulls. Uh, the attacking stats, uh, Eels did win the all-run meter stat, but that was it. Uh, Seagulls ahead in post-contact just. It was a, a two-meter split, so nothing too big there. But doubled up on the line breaks, 8-4, uh, 41 tackle breaks, Paramount's 36, and an average set distance of about half a meter more. So the attacking stats, mostly the line breaks, was the crucial one there. Manly with the faster play, the ball speed, that for once was the uh, uh, the negative of what we wanted there. Uh, Manly with a few more offloads in the Eels. But in terms of kick defusals, Eels only defused 30% of their kicks, which is a bit of a trouble. Um, trouble stat there. Defensively, Manly slightly ahead. Uh, defense wasn't great by either team, I suppose. Uh, negative plays. The Eels actually made less errors, but considered more penalties uh, and less ruck infringements. So uh, it was a statistically looking at this game, you would not think that the Seagulls dominated barring the line breaks. But unfortunately, they took their opportunities and Parramatta didn't. In fact, there were some really butchered shots by the Eels in terms of Mike Acevo. Um, and then we just had some really forced issues in terms of torpedo passes from Guffo and Moses to the wingers, uh, really shonky kicking. So let's jump into where it went wrong for the Eels boys. Um, I postulated at the start of this that it was the physical collisions in the middle that really started the rot. How did you see it? Yeah, I think it was fairly reminiscent of the Dragons game where uh, our pack got dominated. And I know the stats sheet doesn't show it, but the intensity and aggression in the contact, which isn't reflective on the stats sheet, it really showed up, especially at uh, I went out to the match. And you could just see it that we had clocked off um, in respect to the forwards. The only real forward that could hold their head up was Oregon Kafusi. I thought Nathan Brown had a couple of stinging runs, but outside of that, you know, Reg and, and Junior, that was, you know, two two of their worst games since uh, the Dragons game. Um, and uh, unfortunately, it seems to be a reminiscing sort of way that we lose these matches in the last couple of years is that from the gun, we just get beat 
with aggression and intensity. And then rather than turn it around and, and uh, arrest momentum, we push that pass, try to go for the the wonder ball play. And, um, you know, when your ex- execution's off that fraction like it was on Sunday, uh, you're not going to get out of it that way. Um, and I thought Manly and especially Daly Cherry Evans was the complete opposite of that, where he was kicking long to the corners, forcing us out to come out of our own end from our own 10-metre line where we were giving back possession, you know, on the 30-metre line for Manly or, or making a dumb error in our own half or that sort of thing. The and, yeah, signs. just the execution in the opposition 20 was just completely lacking. It was so sideways. Mm-hmm. The warning signs were there from the get-go. The first five, six, seven minutes, you could see Manly winning the ruck, winning those early collisions. Eels were bumping out of tackles defensively and not been able to wrap up on that first contact. And so the alarm bells were ringing. And unfortunately, like you said, Hamish, it was a sort of start where you needed to look to your spine to show a steady hand and get the Eels to fight back into that contest. And we had an early kick from Rico out in the full. And unfortunately, the blushes were saved by Manly dropping the ball on the following scrum feed uh, from the first pass. But, you know, that really laid the table for a bad game from our spine. I think outside of Jacob Arthur, who, you know, didn't play a great game by any means, but he was the only member of the spine that I can't really attribute any hero plays to. Um, we had Mitch Moses, uh, you know, mistiming his grubber kicks, forcing a long pass to... By Blake Ferguson that was dropped. Even though Ferguson should have caught it, he wasn't going to go anywhere with that pass in the red zone. Um, Quinton Gufferson had some shocking grubber kicks. Uh, he also tried to do the same uh, forced torpedo pass to Micah, who uh, caught the ball inches inside the sideline above his head and had no recourse to try and kick ahead, and it didn't go anywhere. So I don't blame Micah for that incident, although I got beef with him for some other stuff. And then Reed Marnie, you know, kicking for himself on the goal line. It just, it, it was a terrible. I don't think I've seen a game as bad from all three of our core spine players in one game ever. And it was a game where we needed someone to step up, and unfortunately, none of them could. Bertie, how did you see that part of the game in um, terms of the responsibility? Look, the way I look at it is, um, and I like to use analogies from other sports, right? Uh, it's like in soccer when um, a team is very clinical on the, like they just they defend. They have one shot, they score a goal, go back and defend. Manly. They went down our right-hand side once, made a line break, scored. They were very clinical. They targeted. It's not like as if they were throwing plenty at us. Like they kept, and they just kept, like what we did last week uh, with Jake Arthur, when, when we kept going to um, Warriors' left edge, we just kept feeding it behind to, to the back rower. Manly were just clinical. They'll just make a break every time. So, and that sort of pretty much dent our confidence because when you look at it, we're okay. We're, we're a high-confidence team. So as soon as our confidence, you know, head goes down, the floodgates open. So... I'd say they just saw how they were just cutting through us easily and they just thought, well, yeah, Manly, over. Manly had a very clear plan to attack our right edge from the outset. They, Mate, were, like, they were consistently working to their right early in the sets in order to position themselves to unload on our right edge, and we just had no answers throughout the entire contest. That I mean, was, you just look it, at their tries. Like the first one that goes to Parker, Wong is in, right? Second one, they feed the short ball to Lawton, the second row. So mm-hmm. like they just they, they hit Wonga. So as soon as like it's like Wonga is like okay I'm gonna stay out I'll stay out and mark my center. No, they hit the second row on the inside of him. So they're just like um they just knew they just targeted him and he just he didn't have an answer. Wonga just legit didn't have an answer to defend and he looked loose up there. Yeah, it was a particularly bad game for Wonga. He's had his vocal critics among fans for some time, but it's sort of come to a boiling point now, given how successful that right edge was when Murata Niakwari was there holding down the fort during Wonga's tenure in the infirmary ward with that calf injury. Um, since he's come back, we had that uh, solid but uh, not you know flawless win against the Warriors where the right edge was okay. And then obviously on Sunday, it was just awful. And you can lay responsibility across the board. I think that individually, 
Uh, Madison probably defended the best out of the right edge, but you talk about Arthur, Blake, and Ferguson, uh, Wanga Blake and Blake Ferguson, sorry, because that old uh, Blake and Blake issue there, but uh, or naming issue, but they all had their individual concerns defensively, but Wanga by far stood out for his uh, A, bad reads, and B, uh, awful execution. So when he was shooting out, he was missing his man. Um, he was jamming or holding at the wrong times. I don't actually lay the first try at his feet because that was just a systemic breakdown of the entire right edge. Manly had like a, a two or three man overlap at that point, which is not on the center in the winger. But uh, beyond that, though, geez, they struggled, mate. Like, look at a Schuster. Like, okay, Schuster's the gun, right? But the fact is, when I was watching it, I was having flashbacks to Fafita when he killed us up at Suncorp. He was running sideways. We couldn't get a hand on him, bumping tackles, breaking tackles. And I'm like, just put this guy on his backside. Like, and I was, I thought we had to, and I said in the preview, we have to stop to power's offload. Okay, he had a couple offloads. But Schuster, we just couldn't, we had no answer for we him. We had man. nothing for him. We had nothing for Tommy. Uh, and I think those two did the bulk of the damage for the Seagulls. But obviously, you know, Brad Parker had a pretty solid game for them. Um, we, we mentioned that Kane Lawton got over. I think uh, Kepi got away a, a timely offload too that led to a try just on halftime. So it was just, yeah, we, we failed fundamentally on so many levels against this team. Um, Manly, obviously a very good team with Tommy at number one, but that wasn't a true indication of what the contest should be between the two rosters. And I dare say that the video review for this one for the Eels on Monday morning would have been absolutely brutal. Um, there would have been a lot of hard truths uh, spoken out by the coaching staff. Um, yeah, is there anything good to come out of this one, boys? Like, really? Was there anything good? Well, I think... It just reiterated where we knew our issues were, um, which is that right edge defence. And I know Wonga Blake's name there again, but I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt last season, given that he'd come back from the shoulder reconstruction. Mm -hmm. But he just seems to... His position on that right edge seems to just put the whole right edge defence in disarray. Um, but having said that, watching from up high on 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 Sunday, you could see at various points in time that we just didn't number up properly um, on edges, which was really quite strange, especially on that right edge. Um, and I don't know if that's something that needs to be worked on or whether that's you know something else. But it was quite obvious that pretty much every time they went down that right edge, they had a, a three on two, um, and. The first up contact from Wonga Blake on on Sunday, uh, you don't like to single a player out, but it was it, it was appalling, and he just slipped off so many tackles. He wasn't the only one, but he was definitely the worst candidate for it, and that's where three of those tries was run through on that right edge defence. So, um, it, it's it's been a problem area, and you know, a team like like seriously, Brad Parker running over the top of you, you need to, it to evaluate it hurts yourself, the same way, doesn't it? Yeah, that one stings. So the Eels really let this one slip out of their hands. And like we said, Manly clearly emotionally charged up by the passing of Bozo. It was always going to be a tough game because Manly came into this contest red hot. But like I said, not a true reflection of where the Eels should have been against Manly, regardless of how you know uh, emotionally charged or high-flying Manly were going. And unfortunately, this loss drops the Eels from second to third with the Storm and their outrageous run of uh, thumpings of the opposition, keeping them ahead of the Eels on for and against. And by a significant margin now, um, the Eels dropping 22 points to four and against against Manly, which means the Storm are at positive 234 and the Eels slide back to 130. So them and uh, the Storm and Panthers clearly ahead of every other team in four and against now. Ooh, it's going to be going to be tough chasing now, boys. So any other – I mean, there, there's other stuff we could talk about, I suppose. The refereeing wasn't great. The crackdown did have an influence on this uh, game. Reagan Campbell-Gillard and Wanga Blake both giving their marching orders along with Manly – losing Jake Dubojevic for a professional foul and uh, Kane, was it Kane Lawton that went off? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Kane Lawton for 
something that the referees missed initially. Um, same thing with the Red and Campbell one. We went we went back almost two and a half minutes for Reg's sin bending, and they didn't uh, refund the clock, which is is wild that if you're going to go back that far, you're not going to refund the clock. But I mean, how DC didn't get sin bending? Well, yeah, he, he did the Victor uh, Radley thing, right? The jump into yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, I know, and he was uh called back on report, and it didn't get a sin, sin bin. So I I understand the intent of the crackdown. I I appreciate it, but geez, the way they're going about it, it's making the product very difficult to enjoy. Um, I, I watched all the games on the weekend. And as a neutral, it was dreadful. So, I mean, short-term pain for long-term, you know. Well, it remains to be seen if it's long-term gain. The, the, obviously, well, the, the optics are that the NRL was scared of a civil suit coming against them. Ex- oh, yeah, exactly. Well, I, look, for me, as a fan, okay, if, if it's a bad spectacle, but I don't want to see players retired and they don't know, they can't speak properly and their their head's all bloody. Look, perfect example, look at Spud when he was commentating the game. The guy was lost, lost the plot. He doesn't know what he's talking about, literally. He... I don't know, like, and I'm taking, I'm having a dig at him. How he got him to come take the game is astounding because the guy can't put a sentence together, and, and that's a perfect example of some, taking CTE seriously because this guy. That's what I, that, that's the only thing I can see the shining light out of this whole like crackdown. But yeah, the crackdown obviously continuing and had an influence in our game, but by no means was that a deciding factor as to why the Eels lost. Um, no, officiating and crackdown had no... Oh, yeah, I thought that Adam G had a, a very ordinary game for both teams. I thought there was numerous misford passes, some really bad missed calls, like the uh, the Lawton hit on uh, Brownie and, and vice versa, Reagan Campbell-Gillard on... Uh, uh, was it uh, Hamole Olakwatu? Maybe? I'm not sure. Uh, I thought that should have been a penalty when Reid was... Uh uh, pulled down by his, well, that, his collar. That, that um, was a, a penalty and, and arguably a sin bin because it was trying to make a influence of the defense in a negative way. But uh, that was wasn't even given a penalty, which blew my mind. When uh, who was it? Was it Kepi? Yeah, yeah, it was Kepi. Yeah, grabbed Reed and, and cattle dogged him down by the uh, back of his jersey, trying to get back in def- um, defense for a, a twenty minute restart. But who knows? Like That's said, like if you palm enough in a, when you palm attacking, you don't get penalised. But if you do it defending, you're going to get yeah. in trouble. Like so, very very yeah. ordinary game from officiating, but it certainly didn't change the fact that the Eels played very very soft football and ran around like chickens <clears throat> chickens with their head cut off when they had the ball in hand. And yeah, there's a, a whole lot of lessons we learned from this one, and I'm not sure if you guys want to talk much more about it because it was a very ugly loss. That's it. Okay. Well, unfortunately, I was just going to say we're up against Souths this. Uh Weekend, so they better fix the, that right edge defense quickly, love, or love otherwise their left edge will destroy us. Yeah, they love to get downhill from right to left, and they've carved us up in uh, recent clashes. So, <laughs> going to hope that the Eels do their homework because, given the team that's named, I'm not sure we're going to be able to contain the left edge of the Bunnies. But uh, unfortunately for the Eels, uh, it wasn't a win on any round, any front in round 11, uh, falling to the last placed Blackdown Manly. Oh, sorry, Blacktown Workers. Sea Eagles, they've been rebadged as Worker Sea Eagles now. Um, so Eels falling there, thirty-four to twenty-four. Um, entered this game in third place, I believe, taking on the eleventh place team, and they will hold their spot there on for and against. But geez, I, I miss this game, but a uh, very disappointing result for the Eels. Uh, so yeah, I'm not really sure how to break this one down. Did you get out this one, Hamish or Bertie? No, I did not. I only got down there a little bit before. I actually had the the two kids at the game, and uh, Jack was more interested in running up and down those bloody. Stairs most oh, of the game. That's that's a, Tim, there, Tim Simona had trick. Oh, I tell you one. what, that helped down the eels. So, has it for the drunks and the babies, man? Not not good. <laughs> oh, my legs—they are killing. Quad, um, quad day, baby. <laughs> well, no, quad day was Monday, and then it was run today. And after doing those sets of stairs about five times, more more like ten times, 
but you know, he enjoyed it. There was a couple of para 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 chants from him, so that was great. Awesome. Um, and um, the other one fell asleep uh, in the second half, which uh, I wish I could have joined her. <laughs> well, to be honest, I fell asleep yeah. too. So, uh, so there was at least one good story there. We got um, Hamish's youngins starting to get into the spirit, which you love to see. But yeah, uh, Eels do remain in the round in third place in the cup, thankfully. But yeah, that's a bad loss to the last place team. And, you know, Eels were missing a few players here. Obviously, Jacob Arthur in the first grade team, and he was a core part of uh, the roster there, helping push the team around the park. And I think uh, I was looking there. Uh, oh, Joey Lusick, too, playing first grade, played 11 minutes in first grade, which meant Nathaniel Roach had to take on all the dummy half work. Didn't Simona score a hat trick? Yeah, okay. I, I did mention Simona got a hat trick, yeah. So. Um, Roach, Stone, Elsgaham, and Oldfield scorers for the Eels. Rankin going four from four. But yeah, Tim Simona getting that hat trick. Jordan Liu, Kari Apuri, uh, Pukatapu, and uh, Tuolatu Koala. Uh, Koala, sorry. Uh, try, um, try scorers for the Blacktown with Kieran of the Brad Variety, uh, who was a former, I think, Wenty Magpie slash Parramatta Eel, uh, kicking five from six. So yeah, bad loss there for the cup. I did not get the seat because I was doing a pregame show over at Pablo's in the Leagues Club, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, well, maybe if it's for the better, I didn't get the seat. But yeah, losses in both games for the Eels. And that was all the action because the flag had a bye. Uh, it was a two-week bye originally, but they had the rescheduled uh, game from round two uh, the week before. So they had the one-week bye instead, which now takes us to the news a little bit of action for the Eels coming out of this game. Obviously, we're speaking about that Reagan Campbell-Gillard hit. He copped a grade two high tackle charge uh, for said action. Wanga Blake also got two incidents put on report, but only took fines for both of them. Uh, Reg took the early guilty plea, which means he will miss this uh, upcoming game against Rabbitohs in round 12. Keeps him in the hunt for a state of origin berth, though. And for Wanga, I think he copped like, uh, I think it was like 2000 something dollars worth of fines. Uh, the club hasn't actually specified it. Uh, out of that cup game, though, Keegan Hipgrave gets his first suspension as an eel and he'll miss two weeks for a dangerous tackle against Blacktown workers. So Eels are copying a little bit of damage out of this game. Reg, obviously the biggest one by far. Uh, Keegs probably would have been in the mix for this game, given that Reg was suspended, but instead the Eels have to look elsewhere. Um, in terms of contract news, we've got a little bit of uh, semi-official stuff coming out of NRL.com. Um, as I think we mentioned last week, Mitchell Moses still tipped to take up his player option and extend at some point uh, for what will amount to a four-year extension between the player option and the three-year tack-on. Uh, but today, NRL.com reporting that Ryan Madison will enact his player option, while the Eels have also started contract extension talks with the Carty Party, um, as Hamish told me before the podcast. Not allowed to refer to him by his birth name anymore. He is henceforth known as the Carte Party. Correct. <laughs> uh, what do we think of those ones, boys? I mean, some of that's obviously just straightforward housekeeping. Mitchell Moses, Ryan Madison, both are core starters for the roster. Bryce Cartwright, uh, by and large, been a very positive addition to the Eels in 2021. Um, be interesting to see um, what what type, what type of money we're going to be re-signing him on because um you know uh, his biggest people are saying we got him on a bargain price this year I think he's like a hundred hundred fifty thousand yeah uh, one uh, one fifteen according according to NRL dot com so literal NRL minimum wage apparently yeah so like if it's similar money okay but I don't want it to be like you know double the money now that all of a sudden he's sort of like changed like he's 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 much better playing now I reckon he's 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 fixed up his defense a bit and so like. I don't want. I don't want him to be like that. If it's like another two more years, I'm happy with that. I think that's pretty fair, Betty. Yeah, I think they're talking a one or two year extension, which makes a lot of sense to both parties. And yeah, it, it'd be interesting. As and you know, I don't want to make this a the I hate Wonga Blake podcast, but if they don't address the center this coming off season, the center um, position, um, we're going to be going backwards. Because I mean, uh, they, 
they clearly have a, a huge investment in Will Penasini. It's a matter of when, not if, for uh, Will, who is a capable of playing on both sides. He's currently playing right edge in New South Wales Cup, but I've seen him play left in the juniors. Um, so that's an option there. But there's talk about you know chasing, we should, or talk about fans saying we should be chasing Sebastian Chris out of the Raiders. Um, Tom Opportunity, obviously off contract and need to be uh, re-upped as well. So there's certainly a little bit of work to be done around centre depth moving forward. So yeah, it will be interesting to see what they do there, Birdie. Um, I, I'm at the point where people are saying, you know, convert Wanga Blake to a winger, drop him to reserve grade and give him a chance to work things out there. Um, for those that are familiar with the very basic economics principle of the sunk cost fallacy, um, if the Eels don't think Wanga Blake is a fit at centre, they should just cut bait. Um, don't waste extra resources trying to convert him. Don't waste extra resources trying to uh, rehabilitate his play style in cup. You just move him on and eat whatever cap space you have to or cap it you have to in order to do that. Yeah, because uh, especially looking at wing, we've got uh, Hayes Dunster there. You know, I think there's talks of um, maybe uh, Fergo might stay now. Like another that, year, that did pop up recently. I believe it was a NRL.com or Daily Telegraph article talking about yeah. the Eels uh, potentially tabling Fergo a one-year extension. So. Look, to mention Russell, um, he was doing okay on the wing when he exactly. So the, the Eels have options. They're not necessarily yeah. always great options, but they have options. Um, but yeah, like I said, if if Wanga Blake is at the end of his tenure here as the first grade center, which seems very feasible given his struggles, um, I, I would rather the club not get bogged down in sunk cost stuff and just move him on because the, there'll be a club that will take him with the Eels taking freight, um, and that's you know let it be the end of it and just move on. Because it, it's not working as it stands. So, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, the end of the news, I believe, boys, unless I've missed something. Anything you guys can think off the top of your head? I'll just quickly jump on to. Um, I think you've covered it. We, we're going to have. Sorry, what was that, Hamish? I think you've covered it. Uh, we're going to have, obviously, some big news next week with the Origin selections, and we'll talk about that in depth, given that there are eels in the mix in both Maroon and Sky Blue, which would be very cool. Um, but yeah, so let's move on to previews now. We've got a triple header at Stadium Australia, formerly ANZ Stadium. Obviously, the sponsorship rights are up there uh, with the Eels playing the Rabbitohs across all three grades, Flag Cup, and NRL. Let's start with the Flag, uh, where the Eels, who stay... No, they enter this round in seventh, um, taking on the sixth-place Rabbitohs, if I recall correctly. Yes, they do. So this is a, a important game in the shake-up of the ladder. Eels obviously chasing a berth in the top six as the season continues, um, and they're taking on the Bunnies looking like this. Tyrone Harding is back at fullback, the Slim Reaper. Um, he's a was an early season acquisition and um, has been in and out of the team due to injuries, I believe. But he's a pretty uh, interesting fullback, a bit like David Peachy in terms of um, build and play style. On the flanks, you've got Matthew Komalafi and Fruin Easthope, centered pairing of Samuel Loizu and Jaden Skinner. Uh, so good to see Sam still uh, in the mix there. Very talented, but has um, been nicked up a bit in recent times. So more game time for him is always a positive. Haas pairing of Tavita Massimo and Josh Chappell. In the front row, you've got Luke Bain, Jaden Yates, and Jack Colavati wearing 8, 9, and 10, respectively. In the back row, Oliver Clements, Peter Tateo, and Caleb Tohi. A couple of SG ball prospects there in Tateo and Tohi, who are both very damaging ball runners um, and very willing defenders too. So good, two good back row prospects there. Keep an eye on them. On the bench, Kyle Schneider, Jonte Jr., Bethan Misa, Larry Tia, and Brock Parker. Penny Tohi is the 18th man. Worth mentioning that three of those four bench players are also SG ball prospects, uh, except for Kyle Schneider. So a lot of a lot of young talent in this team. I'm um, looking at the back line, obviously Samuel Loizu, another ball prospect. And uh, I believe Jabril Kalachi, who isn't in the team, 
he did play in the city rep teams the week before, so I'm not sure if he's being banged up there. Uh, but a lot of um, young talent in this team. And it's part of the reason why there's been so much volatility in their results from week to week. But they're doing a pretty good job on the way to things. And they'll kick off the action at 1.15 p.m. at ANZ. Sorry, Stadium Australia. I just managed to butcher that off getting it right. Um, so, yeah, it'd be a very interesting game there. Moving on to the New South Wales Cup. And it's the, I believe it's still the fourth place Eels. I think I said that before. Uh, third place Eels, sorry, taking on the 10th placed uh, Rabbitohs. So, Another sort of top v bottom clash where the uh, Eels need to be careful of an ambush as per the result against workers on the weekend. Um, for the Eels, a couple of changes this week, some facilitated by injury, some by suspension, and some by promotions to the NRL. Um, Sean Russell will slide from wing to fullback in his preferred position in number one. On the flanks, Hayes Dunster will partner with Solomon and Iduki. It's good to see the big Fijian back in New South Wales Cup. Centre pairing of Will Penasini and Michael Oldfield. Hayes Perham moves from fullback to 5'8 to take on that number six jersey and will partner Jordan Rankin in the halves. In the front row, Makahesi Makatoa and Wiramu Greg will be bookending Nathaniel Roach. And you've got a back row of Ellie Elsgaham, Shabel Tassapali, and Kurt Dillon. On the bench, Lala Toa Mata Afa, Kai Rodwell, Atasi James, and David Hollis. A couple of young kids there, both flag eligible for Tasi James and Dave Hollis. Samuel Lawzu is the 18th man, but given that he's named in flag, it's probably not going to be taking place in this clash. Taking on the bunnies, like I said, and just looking across that team. Uh, some names you might uh, recall. Uh, Stephen Masters, I think, has had a little bit of first grade. Braden Burns is a very handy center. Jacob Gagai, former Eel, played for the Sharks and the Newcastle Knights in first grade. I'm not sure he played for the Bunnies. Uh, former Eel, Troy Dargan, is captain of the team at 5'8". Uh, Liam Knight, very good front rower. Patrick Mago's played a little bit of first grade. Jaden Sewer is a Portland representative caliber back rower. Uh, did he get dropped this week, boys? Is that new? I didn't expect him to be playing Reggie's this week, but there he is. Uh Bryce's cousin, Jed Cartwright, is uh, in the back row. And then on the bench, uh, a legendary pair of former uh, reserve grade Eels and James Hassan and Yulene Gordon. So a couple of former Eels there, more than a couple of former Eels. But um, that's not a bad South team on paper, and I feel like they should be better when they are on the ladder. So this one's going to be an interesting clash. Uh, kickoff for this one is 3 p.m. out at Stadium Australia, and then that takes us to the main event uh, where we have the Eels playing the Rabbitohs to the shock of everyone. Uh, bearing in mind this is Indigenous round. The Eels did have an unofficial Indigenous round in round 11 uh, for their homestand, uh, but it's the Gadigal Rabbitohs versus the Boromadigal Eels, so 3v4 on the ladder. Uh, Rabbitohs enter this game as solid favourites, dollar 65, the Parramatta's 225. Um, a few changes for both teams. Let's start with the home team, but the uh, opposition for us. Latrell Mitchell at fullback, Alex Johnston and Tane Milne on the flanks, Dan Gagai and Campbell Graham in the centres, and what looks like a, a very slick and powerful back line, so going to test this very heavily down a right edge. Halves pairing of Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds, who is also the captain. Front row of Jai Arrow, Damian Cook, and Tavita Tatola. In the back row, they've got uh, Kiowan Kolomatangi, Jacob Host, and Cameron Murray. On the bench, Benji Marshall, Mark Nichols, Hamasele, and Big Tom Burgess. Their shadow bench or extended roster is Liam Knight, Jaden Sua, Patrick Mago, and Braden Burns, so four of those players we just listed in the New South Wales Cup. For the Eels, uh, unchanged backline, which means Quentin Gufson captaining and playing fullback. On the wings, Mike Acevo and Blake Ferguson, centre pairing Tom Opochik and Wanga Blake. Jacob Arthur will probably have his, what I assume to be his final game in first grade for the time being with uh, Nathan, Nathan Dylan Brown's suspension being uh, completed at the end of his round, but he'll partner Mitchell Moses in the halves. Oregon Kafusi gets the call and will get his second start of his young career with Reagan Campbell Gillard's one game suspension. He'll partner Junior Paul on the front row on either shoulder of Reed Marnie. Back row is unchanged. Isaiah Papali'i, Ryan Madison, and Nathan Brown at lock forward. 
On the bench, huge addition for the Eels. Murata Niakori is back from his two-game suspension, served for a, well, I would say high, but a, 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 a supposedly high shot on Teddy when Teddy was falling around his waist. But um, he's on the bench with Sean Lane, Joe Lusick, and the Kate Pate. Extended bench is um, very heavy on backs this week. Hayes Dunster, uh, Makahesi Makatoa, Will Panasini, and Jordan Rankin. So you've got the Rook and Will Panasini there. Always good to see. And uh, Makahesi Makatoa, now eligible for selection given that it's post-round 11, I think, was the cutoff. Um, he's been awesome for the Eels in reserve grade. A bit of an Andrew Davey in terms of uh, career prospects, a, a senior age or advanced age uh, rookie, but been really, really good as a front rower. Um, the ability to attack out wide. Big motor, and uh, I don't know if he's in the mix given his name for Cup, but it's good to see him at least uh, getting a sniff. How do you see those two teams, boys? I, I know I've just spewed out a lot of words and not giving you much chance to talk between all the uh, Cup and Flag stuff, but yeah, here we are against the Bunnies. They've got a very good team. They um, beat us in our last two matches in 2020, the big spanking at Bank West, 38 nil, and obviously that sudden death final where we were done by the Michael Jennings news on game day. Um, how are we going to take on the uh, mighty Myrtle and Red? Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think we're all waiting to see how that right edge will hold up defensively. And I think the game's going to be won and lost in in that respect. Um, and you can see the Rabbitohs have come up against the Panthers and against the Storm, who are a level above both of our teams at the moment. And they've, they've had some points scored on them. So the, the difficulty isn't going to be for us scoring points. It's going to be keeping uh, points out. Um, so, uh, you know... I think we can match them in the forward pack, but their left edge is lethal. And if we serve up what we did last week, uh, they'll run up a cricket score in respect of that right edge defence. Uh, I just don't see what corrections and adjustments they can make to Wunga Blake's style and ability to read an offensive line in uh, in a week or less than a week, six days, that will be able to uh, incapacitate what South Sydney throwed us. And I suppose the the alternative is that Brad Arthur is playing Ducks and Drakes or Smoke and Mirrors, which is very, he's done it a handful of times in his career at Parramatta, but it's been very rare, uh, very rare, not very rare. Uh, and he's got a couple of options. He could throw the rookie in Will Penasini at right center and then leave the rest of the team as per named, given that he he likes to have Murata in the rotation through the middle, or goes back to the guy that held the fort for the vast majority of the season to date, and made that right edge really just purr along beautifully both in attack and defense and get Murata into the starting team at right center and drop Wanga. But then you're left with a little bit of a conundrum because you've got three outside backs or two outside backs and a utility back in Jordan Rankin in the shadow bench. And you've got, a, uh, like I said, an advanced age rookie in Makahesi Makatoa as your last option. So do they do that and then bring the Mac attack onto the bench? I don't know. I mean, I, I would trust Makatoa with a short stint. If they needed him to play 10 to 15 minutes, I think he'd do the job. But at the same time, it's, you have Wiramu Greg that could have been named and he would have done the same job in limited minutes. So I don't know if that's just telegraphing that we're going to be 1-17. to Makatoa will, will be making his debut. Here we go. Birdie, Birdie's calling it. Stone I, I Cold, just, lock of the century of the week. I just feel as though Wonga Blake, oh, we know he can't defend, but are you really going to throw in um, Will Penasini like into the... Uh, a Will, a Will Penasini debut seems very improbable. Uh, doubly so given that when Brad has a rookie ready to go he just names them we saw it with his son yeah. Jacob Alpha we saw it with uh, last year with Jay Field there's just no BS about you know the, in the extended roster we're going to switch him before you know kickoff or on game day you know he just names them and says alright you throw what you can at them they're going to be ready and in this I mean, case 
like there's more pressure on a starter, but if you promote Murata and you bring in Makatoa and be like, hey, I'm going to play you for 10 minutes, there's not much pressure on Makatoa. I know it's first grade, but the pressure like level for Makatoa is going to be far, far less than Penasini. Like, oh, c- certainly, yeah, exactly. And coming in and doing a 10 to 15 minute job off the bench is much less demanding than playing starting center against one of the most lethal back lines in the competition. So, I mean, he could also like chuck Wonga Blake. I don't want Blake. Wonga Blake out. Blake Ferguson center. He's done some wing. Like, I'm, I, I just feel as though if we go out, if if our starting 13 is the one that's listed one the 13, I am already going to lo- lose my shit because I, I wrote it in my teamless Tuesday blog on TCT. I do not fault any fan that is upset this week. Um, like yeah. like Hamish said before. I was of the same uh, inclination to give Wanga Blake a fair chance, um, even into this year where you know he only got to play the one game before injuring his calf at training ahead of round two. So I was willing to give him his shot and a chance to prove all the doubters, including myself, uh, wrong that the right edge issues uh, were not you know unique to him. But the, given that Murata just slotted in there, and not only did the right edge not lose a beat, it actually played so much smoother and efficiently. Uh, it is really hard not to point the finger at, at Wanga now and say, "Mate, well, you're the odd man out." And the Mate, fact, the fact that we've had this, we've had this issue. Like us Parramatta fans, we've known Wanga is not the best defensive player for the past eighteen months, right? It's finally come now to the public. Like NRL is posting, our Manly have found our weakness. Like it's finally hit this pressure, like external pressure from other from other other media outlets, and I'm happy for that because. You know, it's not just us being crazy thinking, oh, Wonga Blake, is, we're the problem. Because I'm, I'm just glad that like, everyone else knows there's a problem. And Brad Arthur has to do something about it because you can't be stubborn in this league. You know, you can't I, be... I mean, we, we've spoken of Brad's praises and also give him criticism when, you know, we're due in terms of his bench rotations and whatnot. But this was an area where I'm absolutely disappointed that Wonga was named. I may, maybe there are some smoke and mirrors going on, but even then, I feel like the right message would have been to drop him. After what he did against Manly, I don't think you should be able, you should have picked him. But you look so. at the Sharks; they had Fafita in reserves, and he's he was he's getting eight hundred thousand a year. Like, if you're stubborn about the price tag, oh, he's on a big money. Don't be. Look at Sharks; what they're doing. Like, well, it, it comes back to the, the fear that I was job, you, It's the sunk cost fallacy. Do not get uh, strung up on the idea that you have to play someone just because they've got an expensive chunk a chunk of your salary allocated to them. If they're not the right person for the role, you drop them and cut them. Like, don't just you move on because. The idea that you're forced to play them or have to invest resources for further resources into them just because they are a significant quote unquote asset, uh, yeah. that that is how you end up in a downward spiral. If well, Wonga Blake did that last year with Alex Glenn or the year before, yeah, it, it, exactly. You see it all the time in professional sports, especially the NRL. If, and the fact is, if a player is not the best fit for your team in that position, regardless of their cap hit, you need to move them on because in the long run, it hurts your team more to have them on the books underperforming than having someone as a replacement that is playing above them on a better rate. So even if you have to pay someone else to take the play, you do it. So unfortunately, Wanga Blake named, now has a huge red target on his chest as well as his back uh, for the Rabbitohs. They're going to be shaking uh, and laughing and rubbing their hands in glee at seeing that uh, that right edge as per what it was in round 11. You have to think that their preparation for this game will focus entirely on getting right to left and attacking the Eels down the far right. Um, I don't know what the Eels can do to counter it because as named, I, I do not have any confidence in that right edge. So the Eels are playing for handicap entering this game. Could you move uh, Papa Lee to that side because he's the better defender out of him and Madison? Well, the one I saw... Are we sure he is? Is it? Madison is a very strong defender, but Papa's also a good defender. But the issue isn't the back row. The issue is is just the complete systematic fail or failure of that edge based on what Wanga Blake's reads are. Or lack yeah, of I'm just trying. I'm just trying to think. Like, unless you, Ham, unless you Ham did suggest pre-podcast like, uh, 
via some messages that maybe we swap the centers, Opicic and and uh, one Wake. But even then, I don't know. I just <laughs> the, the team works so yeah. well with Murata at right center. I don't know. Uh, it makes it very hard to talk about this game without focusing on that because it is such a, a glaring wart. It is just this big, ugly mole of a thing, you know, on the eels' otherwise pretty good-looking face. It's like Austin Powers. You, know, you walk into the room, mole! You well, it's like Robbie Farris knows. That's all you see. <laughs> Jesus, Bertie. Uh, the West Tigers <laughs> never safe, never safe from the purview of Bertie's uh, 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 yeah, well, serpentine no, to be honest, tongue. Like, look, I'm, I want to be serious here. If the players were obviously hurt last year in the finals, we were embarrassed at home in the semifinal, you know, do or die. And if they don't get up for this game and exact some sort of revenge, just think of it. How embarrassing was it going to the game? We hit the lead. We were, like, you were on our way to a prelim, essentially, and then we just collapsed after that kick at goal. And we just, like, if that doesn't fire you up, it just shows you that all that shit that you said, oh, we hate this feeling going back-to-back, going out back-to-back sets. We don't want this to be here again. It's full of shit because... I haven't forgot this game last year, and surely the God they haven't. And if they don't, re- like they don't, you know, look, look at the Raiders. How many years we didn't, they beat us, and we got revenge. Essentially, we went down there and we tore them apart. So if they don't respond, especially after last week, they kid themselves. They're they're literally not in the right business. So yeah, just that's. Oh, sorry, my microphone playing up there. Um, that that that's a good point, Bertie. There we go. I'm back. Hey, um, that is a very good point. Um, that the Eels have done that in some capacity in 2021 prior to the Manly defeat, I suppose. Um, the other thing I wanted to raise was as much as we've been pointing the finger and getting the knives out for the Parramatta Eels for a, a very, very substandard effort against Manly and our issues down the right edge, the Bunnies have had 50 posted on twice this year. They're far from defensive savants by any means, and they're very susceptible to getting rolled through the middle and then exploited out wide. So where do you see the best opportunities for Parramatta to get on the board against the Bunnies, given that they're going to be attacking our right edge where should we be attacking in return? Right up the guts. Yeah, smash him where it hurts in the middle. I like it. A bit of smash my football. Go after Cook. He hasn't been the same. He's been um. Uh, he hasn't been the same, obviously. And you know that he could turn around this week. But go for, go for um team and Cook. Well, it's a big week for Junior Paulo. No Regan Campbell Gillard. He's our number one running mate as part of that dynamic one-two punch for the Eels for the middle. Oregon Fusi enjoying a very good season for him. He's really making that jump from promising prospect to actual plus first grader which is good to see but junior the numbers have still been good in the last few weeks but i think the impact in terms of what you're seeing through the eyes not as a uh, visceral he hasn't been as a uh, dominant perhaps uh, as he has been earlier in the season state of origin selections come out end of round 12 um, i think this is going to have to be a statement game for june so he's gonna to have to step up and really lead the way for the eels through the middle and just breaking victor radley unsuccessful at the wow judiciary. it can happen First time I think ever, we'll speak about this before I went live, I think Victor Adley's been successful every other appeal. He's gotten off stuff that should have got players two or three week suspensions in the past and uh, now actually been held up amidst this crackdown. So there you go, Victor Adley. I mean, sure. nine times well, lucky not to be sent. That, to be that manic, yeah. manic four report game that he posted against the Brisbane Broncos. Oh my goodness. I mean, nine times out of ten, they get away for like the Roosters, um, uh, what are the, the lawyer or whatever. So it's eventually one player was going to you know, draw the shit stone, or shit, whatever, shit spoon, whatever, so... So, yeah, cool little bit of breaking news there. Um, I don't think there's anything else you want to talk about in this game, boys. Uh, you want to pick out any danger plays aside from the obvious? You look at Latrell Mitchell, that halves pairing, the entire They name line. themselves, don't they? Exactly. Uh, let's get on to predictions then. So, obviously, first try, score a margin. And if you're feeling ballsy, throwing out something crazy like Birdie, naming uh, Makahesi Makatoa to make his debut off the bench for the Eels. Uh, Hamish, what have you got this week, mate? 32-28, Raiders. Yeah, 
Ryan Madison first try scorer. Oh, high scoring. So the coach is not going to be happy about that sort of margin, but you always take the W. Bertie, can you top a, a 32-28 margin, mate? Uh, 26-10, I think we're going to win. And I think we will turn up and we'll bash them. We'll, you know, uh, we'll hunt as a pack. You know, Nathan Brown will have his team, will have his backup because he's usually the one going by himself. So I'm going to tip Murata, first try scorer, coming in. Wonga Blake getting dropped. See you later, mate. And yeah, 26-10 and yeah, it'll be a convincing win. It'll be like the, exactly like the Raiders where we'll just frustrate the shit out of them. And, you know, like I think Latrell will get Simbin. I'm putting that down. He'll get Simbin. <laughs> uh, a 26-10 win. He'll get into his face and do something. <laughs> a 26-10 win would be a fantastic palette cleanser, Bertie. I'd love to tip something like that, but as the team is named, I just can't see us holding the Rabbitohs to under 20, so I am going to tip them to score 20 points against us with the Eels prevailing 26-20. First try scorer, I will go with, mm, let's go Isaiah Papali'i. But yeah, um, as named, the Vonga Blake in the centres, uh, 20 points seems like the floor for what the Rabbitohs could do to us, um, and it could be more than that. So hopefully there is a pregame swap or shuffle uh, because I, I just – in good conscience, can't see Wunga playing two weeks in a row or a week in a row after what he produced against Manly. So we'll have to wait and see and stay tuned for the uh, game day reports, obviously. Is there anything else we want to talk about in terms of the wider NRL or other sports boys? NBA finals well onto the swing of the first week of the or first round. There, uh, NFL's edging close towards the preseason. Well, Julio wanting out of Atlanta. Yeah, Julio wants out of Atlanta. Apparently, the Falcons have been trying to shop him for a while, looking for a first-round pick, but could not get one. So now, second round seems to be the... Uh, All I'm going to say, can you imagine him linking up in Green Bay? I think Hamish will blow his load. Right. Mate, be, we've got to retain our quarterback first. Well, hang on. Ju- what, what Ju- Julio Jones would be a great peace offering, wouldn't he? For, yeah. For the um, Packers to, uh, uh, to their dissatisfied or unhappy QB. But, yeah, there's a, a lot of teams that a, a second-round pick would definitely be thinking, you know, why don't we put something out there? If that so. doesn't entice Aaron Rodgers, I don't think nothing will. Maybe Jeopardy would. I don't know. Like, just Julio Jones, if he's healthy, top two receiving the league. You know, that's not disrespecting the others, but I got him and D. There is a very fat contract to inherit with um, Julio there. I think he's due about $36 million over three years, which honestly yeah. isn't that bad, but he will be about 35 36 when the uh, contract starts to expire. But yeah, um, basketball finals happening, as we said. Uh, Miami Heat struggling against Milwaukee Bucks, Birdie. Yeah. Uh, um, Miami Heat haven't been the same since that last year. They, they got lucky. They know, got hot in the bubble. Yeah. This year they've been, you know, they've been shit house. Soccer's finished, so Premier League uh, over. You know, got, got it about two months before. Uh, no, we've got a month before the Euros. Two months before new season starts. That's so weird with EPL. You know, we have a two. They have literally a two month preseason slash off season, and they're back in it. And you know, look, look us, look Paramount. We did well on it for like four or five months. You know, can't wait for it. So yeah, other than that, um, I don't know what else. Tatish went off for Padres. Yeah, he murdered the Mariners in the homestand there. Hit a, a very cute grand slam. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Oh, I, just, I know this, it's not news, but I did see a video. Apparently someone tried to break into Derek Lewis's, um, the, no, the, the big UFC fighter, the heavyweight. Uh, he, someone tried to break into his car and got knocked out, and he just said why? wrong car to break into. Yeah, so. why? <laughs> How could you not look at a guy like that and say, oh, probably not the right person to try and pick a man. fight with? I don't know why they. I would have gave up, man. I would literally. So um, it's like the uh, the Simpsons, like the Simpsons meme, right? Where the picking on the fight for guy in a small car and it gets out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I actually posted that video. I saw. I saw the video yeah. you posted of the guy that oh, picked up the God. little dweeb and dropped him in his big utility vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I mean, so yeah, that's what's happening at the Parrot Podcast uh, at L. Um, obviously, no ham this week. 
We didn't get a uh, prediction from him, I don't think. Let's quickly check out a little channel. No, he didn't leave us off a prediction, the coward. So we'll have to dig into him. Oh, next he week. told me 44 to 6 and first try score of Wonga Blake. There he we go. From four try Wonga Blake. From the uh the horse's mouth speaking to the trainer yeah. there. So Bertie giving us the uh the deets on what Ham definitely predicted with. <laughs> um but yeah, so Eels obviously looking to get a bounce back win against the Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs themselves coming off another fifty point shellacking at the hands of the Panthers, looking to rectify uh what is happening to their season because that's their second fifty point drubbing which, um, as history seems to indicate, means they're out of the running for the postseason or deep into the postseason at the very least. But those sort of uh, hoodoos and things are always there to be broken, so hopefully it's not the Rabbitohs that do it because I'd rather Parramatta win this year. But, yeah, that's um, about all she wrote for the podcast this week, boys. Unless there's anything wacky you want to add before we clock off? No? I'll take that as a no. Uh, Nothing from me. On the shorter side this week, because unfortunately there wasn't a lot to unpack from the uh, round 11 defeat at the hands of Manly. Um, but we'll hopefully get a better result next week and really get into the nitty-gritty and the meat of that one, boys. So we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for stopping by, and thanks for Hamish and Bertie for keeping up with me and uh, making the podcast so far. Thanks, boys. Love you. Cheers. Catch you on the next Power Podcast.